Welcome to The Sleeper and the Bust. This is episode number 143, and joining me today is, uh, during the All-Star break, ordinarily we have Eno Saris, but he is on the one-day disabled list, and so we have stepping in for Eno, none other than Brett Talley, writer at Roto and Fangraphs. Brett, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Good, good. Very good, thank you. Very excited to have you here, uh, especially to talk a lot of these baseball topics that we're about to get to. Uh, and I think we're going to dive right into them uh, because uh, we've been slowly talking about trade rumors here uh, a little bit more on the podcast. And uh, the latest uh, rumors have Seattle expressing uh, some serious interest in Tampa Bay's David Price as well as Ben Zobrist. And uh, we talked about the we've talked about a little bit about price and uh, on the podcast in previous uh, episodes, but uh, uh, it, it certainly seems to be that uh, wherever price could land, he would probably pitch well. Do you think that there's any change uh, in his value uh, if he were to land, uh, say, with Seattle? I don't think so. Uh, the ballparks are both of average for pitchers. I'm not looking at the park factors right now, but I can't imagine there's too much of a difference for it to matter um man seattle would be really really tough in a playoff playoff matchup i I can't believe they're even in the in the running for this thing but i guess they'd be the second wild card right now so if they could get price i mean it it totally makes sense Uh, they would be really tough to beat especially in the in the in the playoffs i I, I support it, even though I'm a Rangers fan. Whatever, we're out of it. So <laughs> I, I hate the Angels. I certainly don't want to see them win. I do. I do have some respect for the A's, but I think it'd be really interesting if they got him. Yes, yes, it definitely would be. And uh, I mean, I think, and you have mentioned this to me. Uh, to me, is probably mentioned this in a number of places. But that, uh, and I mean, in general, you look at the the ability of the pitcher and the type of pitcher, uh, just the quality of the pitcher a lot more so than the team and, and the run uh, and the, and the ballpark environment and things like that. We know, sure. we know how those things can affect the pitcher, but, uh, and uh, this is some, uh, something else we've talked about is that uh, Tampa Bay is, I mean, they're a middling team in terms of defensive efficiency, but uh, that Seattle is actually at the top of the league this season so far in defensive efficiency. And so maybe that benefits them a little bit, but I think ultimately, I mean, I think regardless of whether price, you know, we can stop right here and say, I mean, a little of this is going to depend on what Tampa, you know, how they, how Tampa Bay does. I mean, they've kind of, they've been on a real hot streak here as a team and the, the AL East is certainly not going to prevent them uh, on a strong, in a strong way from competing for a playoff spot. So, I mean, Tampa Bay isn't entirely all in and ready to uh, sell everything just yet, but uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. And then, uh, I think as far as Zobrist is concerned, it just doesn't seem like he is necessarily the way that Seattle needs to go in order to uh, to shore up what they lack in terms of right-handed power. So, right, uh, like you know, there were the, there was the Cardinals rumor floating around for a while, and I don't know how how that's progressing at the moment. But Zobrist, they, I guess, since that happened, though, Wong is sort of gone nuts so it doesn't make as much sense as it used to but i always assume they'd go together not totally sure that makes as much sense if seattle's the team that's 
most interested in prize. Yes, yes. And uh, another another rumor that we talked about on the last podcast, in fact, was uh, because we were also talking about Ian Kennedy's performance, uh, is that uh, latest has now that the Angels and the Padres are really finding, probably really finding a difficulty to find a match as far as uh, compensation for Kennedy. Um, we talked about Kennedy's performance this season, uh, and Brett, what do you? Th- I mean, what do you think is really driving uh, Kennedy's performance? Well, Kennedy's one of these guys that I've I think I've written six articles about him since the preseason started just because I don't know I'll decide I'm going to look at velocity increase or I'm going to look at you know some sort of ERA FIP differential or just whatever I decided to write about that week and he keeps popping up um, and really he's just living off of fastball velocity that's increased this year um, it's up to about averaging almost 92 miles an hour. He was sitting around 90 prior to that the last four years. Um, he really doesn't have another pitch that he throws that has a positive pitch value this year. He throws a cutter a little less than 2% of the time, and that's the only one that has a positive pitch value. Uh, back in 11, when he was really good, his curveball was well above average too, but it's basically all velocity that's driving this. So as long as that hangs around wherever he goes, I think he's going to be fine. Yeah. And meanwhile, yes, uh, here's now here is a trade rumor that I find incredibly difficult to believe, ex- other than one fact, and that is the fact that the Dodgers are involved and they have a lot of money to play with to begin with. But uh, there was a, there's been a rumor that the Dodgers uh, are expected to pursue, according to a source, uh, Jonathan Papelbon from the Phillies. Now I find this hard to believe for all the other reasons, and that is we. We see a lot of difficulty in, in relievers being moved. Papelbon has a huge contract. The Phillies would probably have to throw in a lot of money. Maybe not necessarily in the Dodgers' case, but um, it's it seems like a, a a really difficult deal to get done based on the fact, or a really a really difficult move to see happening based on the fact that it just seems like a really costly move for a problem that doesn't seem that big in L.A. Am I right here? Yeah, I mean. I will say this, you're obviously getting at the point that they have a ton of money, and so that's why that's the only reason this seems possible. But for them, I, it's my understanding that their prospect system is pretty depleted at the moment. So maybe this is a way they can make a move and just pay money and not have to give up a prospect, which is probably more valued, you know, more valuable to them to keep what they have as opposed to just throwing away a few more million dollars. So in that sense, I, I guess I could get why they're interested. I personally don't understand why anybody would be um, taking on too much risk to acquire 30 innings of a reliever because who knows what can happen in that small of a sample size with a reliever. I remember when the Rangers got uh, Uhara for Chris for Chris Davis. The first year Uhara was with the Rangers, I think he threw 30, 40 innings, gave up a few more home runs than he normally did, and his numbers looked horrible. But then ever since then, he's been the best pitch, not the best, but one of the best relievers in baseball. It's just such a gamble to take on a very small window. Yeah, excellent points, excellent points indeed. And, I mean, it's it's pretty clear. There's no reason to think that, uh, well, no no major reason to think that uh, Kenley Jansen would be displaced here. I mean, this is strictly probably for, this is, this is for setup purposes. I mean, it, and it's the length in the bullpen, but it just seems a really wild reason. And, and. The only reason I even care to talk about it is just because we've, uh, I have, I'm sure that other folks at Fangrass have received some little bit of, of uh, questions as far as uh, Ken Giles and who would take over for Pavabon if he's dealt. And I really didn't think it was likely 
and yeah, so maybe LA's money is what makes this this kind of deal happen. And yeah, it's the first legitimate rumor, and I don't even think it's legitimate to think that we could talk about Giles a little bit. But uh, I mean, Giles, sure, he seems to be the guy that would that would kind of be thrust into that role. But it just really seems hard to see. It's it's, it's hard to see him getting moved. I'd I'd be interested to see more of Giles. I mean, I'll be honest with you, I, I don't pay it too much attention to. Uh, non non closer relievers um because i'm not playing in an nl only league this year but i've just i clicked over to his name when you brought up his name in the topics and looks insane Mm -hmm. (laughs) i mean he's clearly got some some serious stuff so yeah i'd like to see it yeah yeah he certainly does and he i mean he's he looks like a closer of the future but yeah i mean it's the Pat Bond presence and contract, it's it's a big roadblock and I mean it's not it's not necessarily the worst thing, at least I mean it's exciting. It's exciting to talk about who might be the next closer for a lot of these guys, but it just it, Whoa. Sorry, eighteen point four swinging strike. <laughs> Whoa. I actually swung and missed at one of his pitches uh, earlier today. <laughs> when he was throwing a bullpen session. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. He's, he's had some incredible stuff uh, and it's, it's, you know, backed up by his, his minor league re- uh, resume as well. Yeah. Yeah. He's an exciting player. Um, so move to some players who are coming back uh, from some absences and we'll start with a couple of players who are back from bereavement leave and specifically Gene Segura, because it was a little bit of a question mark uh, because he was out of the country uh, and some, and just some awful news, obviously, with the the passing of his nine month old son. And we we've talked extensively about uh, Segura's performance in the last episode, and that uh, it's disappointing. Yes, it still has some value, but uh, Brett, how much does it? I mean, are you you've, you've talked a little bit about him before? How are you keeping this guy, for instance, in a ten team mixed league? I don't think you have to. I mean, 18% of ESPN owners have already cut him. So um, I certainly don't think you have to. Not being quite as efficient on the base pad this year um, hasn't really displayed anywhere near the power he did for the first month or month and a half, whatever it was last year. So don't think that's coming back around. Uh, no, I don't. I feel free to cut bait with him. I have him in a 10-team league where I'm – I have him and Escobar. I'll see Escobar, and I pretty much start Escobar most days if, unless, you know, Segura has a lefty and Escobar doesn't. Um, deeper leagues in that, guess you can't cut him. Shortstop's tough position to fill, especially this point in the season. You can't flip him either. You're not going to get appropriate value for him, or you're not going to get any – you're not going to get anybody to trade with you based on what his upside could be. So either cut him if you've got another option in shallow league or just – Ride it out if you're in a deeper league. Yeah, yeah. It sounds. I mean, that sounds like sound advice. I think because uh, we talked about um, there are just there are a number of things that could be affecting Segura's performance to this point in the season, and that could affect it for the rest of the season. That are really it's it's really kind of no, hard to know how any of them will affect him because they could have uh, opposite effects. And then the only thing, as you said, I mean, it's it's easy to cut bait with him, and I think because the news and. Uh, included the the note that he may not play regularly right away i mean it's it's much easier to make that justification if you need a band-aid in shallow leagues uh just and maybe he becomes a player you just keep your eye on we know he had a, a huge season last year we know he's capable of more but um if 
at least in the short term, maybe it's easier to go in a different direction. But uh, you know, in, in deeper leagues, you probably have to suck it up. But you may want to consider benching him for for uh, you know kind of a short term band aid as well in, the, in deeper leagues if you can afford to. Well, let me ask you this: If you're in a shallow league and you're thinking about cutting him, Sander Bogarts has been horrendous for at least a month, but he's been cut down to like half half the leagues. Would you rather have Segura or Bogarts if you're if you don't have a better option? That is an excellent question. Um, I think, I mean, I think maybe it depends a little bit on my uh, more on my needs, but uh, yeah. I think Segura because, um, and, and this, I don't think I'd like to avoid having this scenario right now because of the the questionable playing time. But I think Segura because I'd be more confident that he can help me in a specific counting category, and that's the one basis where it, where it's. Uh, whereas Bogarts, I do think that the power is what is likelier to show up between the power. I mean, he doesn't really have much speed, but uh, yeah. he's farther away. He's further away from showing that in the majors than Segura is because he's already shown it. So, I mean, that'd be yeah. the way I'd go. Agreed. Yeah, yeah, and, and uh, player who's kind of a similar um, story is Starling Marte, and he's uh, been activated from bereavement leave, so he'll be. Uh, available to the Pirates beginning with the second half. Another disappointing season, but reason to think that the second half uh, looks better, uh, at least uh, at this point? Yeah, I mean, I don't know that I totally disagree with the disappointing season. It's not what it was last year, but um, I think we had to expect some batting average regression from last year, which has happened. Unfortunately, I didn't think it would be quite this bad. I mean, his strikeout rate's risen a good 3%, and his con- obviously his contact rates are way off. But he's still on pace to almost get to 40 steals. He's been a little more efficient um, stealing bases. I still think he has a better chance of getting back to double-digit home runs than somebody like Segura. Um, he doesn't hit the ball on the ground as much. His home run per, five, for per fly ball rate is down from where it was last year but not nearly as much as Segura's is so I think he's got a little bit better chance to continue to be productive yeah yeah I I I like Marte a little more going forward than definitely Segura it's a shame obviously I mean uh dealing Segura dealing with he's a shortstop is so it's a definitely a different scenario but do like I do like Marte's prospects I mean there's no reason to think that he can't at least be pretty productive for fantasy owners in the second half and, and maybe the batting average does bounce back a little bit but this is probably more so the player we're looking at like you said because of the swing and miss in this game as far as uh some uh, some other injuries the players well we'll start with the injuries to and begin with uh, avin gaddis who has a, a, a bulging disc in his back and uh, his rehab assignment uh, begins has begun thursday so it sounds like a fantasy owner should have him available by, I would think, the beginning of next week. That's got to be encouraging. He's been one of the better hitting uh, catchers in all of fantasy this season, thanks largely to the power contributions. Yeah. Uh, another one is uh, we've kind of missed for, I, I believe it's about four to six weeks, is Emilio Bonifacio uh, with a strained oblique. Uh, and it seems like he is on track to return next week. Uh, because his, his rehab assignment has is, is moved swiftly and he's experienced no setbacks. Uh, any, do you see any possibility that he loses some playing time in the second half? Obviously, the Cubs have a lot of uh, potential prospect call-ups and things like that. That you, it, A lot of folks are starting to ask a lot of questions about these guys. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's possible. Um, I know the Cubs were kind of thinking he 
Alcantara was just going to be up briefly. Uh, I guess he went crazy that first game, and I don't know, maybe some people are questioning whether he should stay up there. I'd certainly rather play over Darwin Barney. <laughs> but um, I, I don't know. I kind of get the feeling Bonifacio is going to be fine for now. Um, I don't I, I don't guess Baez is probably going to get up this year. Maybe in September. I don't know. I think he's going to come back. I think he's going to play regularly enough to have some value with his legs if you're in the situation where you're looking for speed. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, he's he was obviously he's not going to hit like 350 or whatever he hit in the first three or four weeks of the season. Um, but, you know, we, we saw the batting average quickly regress. But uh, he, he just seems likely to continue to be an asset in the speed categories. And that's probably a little more so uh, because we know that he's not dealing with a leg injury. And so no reason to think that he's going to be affected there by any, in, in, by any considerable amount. Uh, right. but, and Sorry, but the the batting average regression is over. I mean, it's yeah. back to to normal. Yeah, I guess it could a little more, but no need to worry about him killing you there the rest of the way. Yes, yes, that is absolutely true. What we can't be sure about is uh, whether Shane Victorino is going to kill us. And now this we're, we're definitely talking about deep leagues, I think, at this point when we're talking about Victorino because in – so. Uh, and he is dealing with a leg injury as well. Uh, uh, although, I mean, that's, I think that's kind of in the rear view of the latest issues had him involved. Uh, I mean, he's had multiple setbacks first with the, I mean, with the strained hamstring that uh, he had one or two setbacks with that. And then back spasms, I believe it was that, and that, uh, or some other injury that, that, that continued compound matters. And, uh, I mean, he's been set back at least three times, I want to say, but his rehab assignment, he's played three games and, uh, that's been moved to triple a Paul Tuckett. Uh, as of today so i think it's reasonable to think barring no other setbacks that he's back sometime next week do fantasy owners care i think is the question because i mean there's been i think one home run two stolen bases uh, and the only the only question i have is have we actually seen a healthy victorino but then then you can say well we may not actually ever see him for the rest of the season either because we haven't been able to get him back Right. Does Victorino have 12-team mixed league value rest of the season? 12-team. I mean, yes. I'm in a, I've got to be in a 12-team league where I hate a fifth outfielder. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, I've got one where I think I'm, I've got Dom Brown and maybe one other guy I'm trying to rotate in that last spot or maybe I'm using them in one of my two util spots, which is the last spot of my roster. I mean, yeah, I could see him being in that conversation. If I, I in that particular league, I don't think I needed speed, but if I did, um, and Trino was out there, he might work as sort of the last guy on your roster there. Yeah, yeah. I I still hold out. I mean, he's he's approaching thirty four years old, so maybe this is just this is this is the kind of thing that as fantasy owners we should have expected and you know a lot of us did i mean he wasn't a, a hot commodity per se even though he's coming off a pretty decent season a lot of that was batting average field uh, and that's kind of dropped down i think he's he's uh, as a right as a player who is largely batted right-handed i think because he's given up the switch hitting thing a little bit we certainly see him take advantage a little bit of the uh, the green monster and that may that may kind of fuel the babip there's always some hope for for instance that uh, and that once he is back, he is fully healthy. It just seems like there are a lot of ifs or a lot of hopes there. So it's like, yeah, like I, I would, I would imagine, but maybe this is maybe this is too ludicrous. I mean, I, I would think about dropping a Dom Brown for Victorino because Brown is just horrendous. Yeah. But That's, I mean, you're talking about kind of uh, uh, 
perhaps, I mean, it's not apples and oranges here. These are two definitely disappointing players. <laughs> would, you, would you be willing to do that? Is that is that where you're talking about a replacement in your roster? Or is, uh, I mean, I think in 15, like I have in Victorino in 15-team mixed league, and I'm, I'm hanging on just because, I mean, yeah, he's, he's, he may be reasonable depth, but. Uh, right. What are you going to do? I mean, you're not, there's certainly not anybody better on the wire in that type of league mm-hmm. or nobody with as much upside. So hope there's upside. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. <laughs> uh, moving to, I think this is going to be an interesting situation here. Uh, Carlos Reese um, sounds like his, his rehab assignment begins on Thursday. He's coming back from concussion. This is not the first time he's had uh, a concussion. Uh, but it is encouraging. It sounds like he has passed, I think, a uh, couple of impact tests. And so, um, yes, it sounds like he could be back by the end of this weekend or beginning of next week. And production hasn't been great. But uh, I think what makes this interesting also is the timing kind of coincides with, I think you could consider these guys in a similar tier, uh, at least. But Giovanni Soto, Giovanni Soto is also making his way back from the Rangers. for He had knee surgery just prior to the start of the season. Uh, and uh, rehab is over. Uh, sounds like he is going to be available sometime this weekend. And, uh, you know, basically Ruiz doesn't really offer the power so much anymore. He had that one season where he had double-digit home runs, but we can't really rely on that. He's also been a player known to offer some pretty decent second halves, and so he's kind of a not a bad second catcher in, in mixed leagues, um, certainly in an only these, but uh, in, in Soto, you have a player who could hit, I mean, it's feasible that he hits say six to eight home runs in the second half because he has the power, yeah. which, which one of these guys do you like more? Uh, and, uh, you know, would you drop one for the other? I mean, if you could, if you're not too concerned about batting average, I'd, I'd rather have Soto. And I can't imagine you'd be in a situation where you'd be too concerned about the batting average to not prefer the power just because we're talking about, I don't know, what, 150 plate appearances the rest of the way, 200 maybe, mm-hmm. uh, since these guys are catchers or, you know, they're not going to play every day. So I guess if you're, you know, in a really tight group of people with batting average and it's going to have a four or five point swing from now to the end of the year, maybe you prefer Ruiz or you just have no need for power, then maybe you prefer Ruiz. But I'm guessing, you know, as long as people are sort of fluid in all the hitting categories, I, I'd rather have the power of Soto. Yeah. I think, I mean, I tend to opt, I want the guys in general who give me the counting stuff a little more. And I, and I, I tend to be a little more willing to leave the batting average or the OVP up to the gods. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and so I think in this case, because, um, well, it's I, just I, so much more nebulous. I, I right. get that. It's like, how, how much does 180 plate appearance of uh, plate appearances of Soto hitting, 198 how much is that going to affect your average exactly and now i mean it's not like i mean if i had a team made up of adam duns and bj uptons i guess it could be a different story but it's like right uh, I, I do have some players to offset any potential hit there so it's like uh i mean it's i want i want the counting stuff and um the only question I mean, here's what concerns me about soto is does the knee surgery affect his lower half to the point where or, I mean, his his knee. I'm going to assume it's 100% health. But when he's back, does this affect his lower half and uh, thus uh, his really his kind of base to to hit for power? We've seen this with some players, and I don't I don't know. I mean, but with others, we have seen virtually no effect. And I think maybe it depends on the type of knee injury versus one versus the other. I don't know that this is the type that does that. But um, any thoughts on that? 
I would just uh, I'm assuming because he's a catcher they're going to make sure his knees 100%. Yeah. I mean it seems like it would have to be to play catcher. So but other than that, who knows. Yeah, that is true. That is true. And uh I think I mean it is worthwhile to note too I mentioned uh, OBP leagues that uh, I mean Soto's historical uh performance in the wall category suggests and he's he's always been a decent OBP guy. So um in that league, it may not even be a question because if he provides the power and he's not really any loss in the OBP category, because Ruiz is a decent OBP guy himself, but uh, again, Soto might not be quite as big of a hit there, so it really doesn't matter. Uh, and uh, you, you, you want to offer the guy who can give you the counting stuff. Now, uh, the the Reds manager Brian Price says here. I guess he was he, he didn't want to be misinterpreted and says that. Uh, uh, Joey Votto is expected to be sidelined for, uh, I guess, for a long time is basically, basically to sum it up what he said before. And now he's clarifying. He says he expects him to be sidelined for multiple weeks and not months. Like this is not rest of season or anything like that. This knee injury that he's dealing with. Uh, we have talked about Votto and his dis- disappointing performance, uh, health related, uh, probably to some degree. We know he also had knee surgery in 2012. Um, do we think that Votto can be a decent, I mean, will he be, do you have, how much optimism do you have? I guess is a better way to put it, that he may perform, he may provide some kind of salvation to his uh, fantasy value at at all this season once he's back. Um, I don't know. I've always, the last few years, I've just been a little more down on Votto unless you're in an OBP league, just because he, he just won't swing enough. Um, He's not a big RBI guy anymore. Uh, I mean, look, he's going to be fine. If you're holding on to him this whole time, you keep holding on to him, he's going to hit 300. He's going to have some pop. Um, Obviously, if you're in an OPP league, he's a stud. But I have not been a huge Votto fan in the last few years, and I don't know. I don't really think you can do anything about it. I don't know that he's tradable at the moment i don't know that you can get the right price for him so i hope for the best and you know i think you're going to get something yeah i think we 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 have talked about uh that i mean just this this at this point you you you've invested what you invested on draft day and i mean you have to live with there's there's not really there's probably not going to be a lot of power production it's kind of but it's there's potential there because it is it's a potentially decent Reds offense and uh, he can score some runs, especially because he can get on base so often. I mean, he's not he's not without value once he's back, uh, and, sure. and it's especially in the OBP leagues. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's it's just uh, nobody's. It's just uh, he as far as fantasy trade value. I mean, what is there to it? You know, unless he's in an OBP league and somebody's like, well, I could really shore up my team's OBP. There doesn't seem to be a lot of benefit to dealing for him, and therefore, yeah, like you said, I mean, there's no there's no fantasy trade value here, and uh, it's just I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how he's valued in future years. I mean, we could see him, I think, take a significant tumble uh, in first base rankings, uh, which seemed ludicrous to some folks just a year or two ago. Yeah, for sure. And uh, as far as Miguel Cabrera goes, uh, I guess he has been quoted at times uh, at, at one point uh, in the Spanish uh, language media saying that he had had some potential issues uh, with his surgically repaired groin and now saying that uh, he was misquoted um, and 
that this this is not a, specifically an issue for him anymore, and he was just speaking about general soreness, things of that nature. Uh, have we seen anything? Obviously, Cabrera's numbers aren't quite up to his usual standards, but uh, do we do we see this uh, at this point? I mean, I, I think of it kind of like Albert Pujols. A couple of years ago, folks kind of viewed it as, well, it's just a down year for Pujols, and he'll rebound. Is this a chink in the Cabrera armor that we're seeing yeah. right now? Yeah, I think it is. I mean, we're at that age. We're past 30. I think we may be at the point where we're going to start to see those numbers just gradually decrease and decrease and decrease. I do think he has a little room to bounce back from this year. I mean, he was basically uh, over the last four years prior to this, what, uh, I'm just averaging here, four. 35 Woba guy. Yeah. Last year he was at 455 with the crazy year. So, I mean, I don't know that he goes from a 435 Woba guy to a 383 Woba guy all of a sudden. So maybe we get a little bit of a rebound next year, but then after that, and maybe not. I mean, this could be a steady decline from here, but my guess is that he bounces back a little bit and then, but not back to where he was. And we just see it chip away year after year from there. Mm-hmm. And, and Nino has kind of talked about the, uh, the kind of the bell curve of players' careers. And it seems like, yeah, it, I mean, at this point, I think if we were looking for a sign as to where, uh, when that might begin, I mean, we have it. I don't think there's really any question about it. Yeah, he's 31 years old. Uh, and I think it's I think it's important to remember that is that um, just relative to, I mean, I mean, two or three years ago, people were saying this about pool holes, that it was, Cabrera is still probably going to be a good fantasy performer. But, um, I mean, I think, I mean, there, I think there's a possibility that you could make that he's not, you know, he's not included in the top five picks even next season or top. Sure. Maybe the maybe the first round. I think that's probably going. I mean, that's certainly going a little too far, perhaps. But uh, he's also he's not going to have the third base eligibility likely next year. I think so. I mean, there's there's a lot of little things going on. I think at the same time, I mean, he could have a, a he's he's kind of past the woes, assuming that no other health issues, issues pop up. I mean, he could hit another 15 home runs in the second half and get to around 30 like he has in previous seasons. He's still a good player. He's still like, but this this surgery seems to have kind of signaled to us that uh, he's. He's no longer this type, uh, this kind of in to- totally invincible fantasy commodity that we seem to have viewed him as for the last five years or so. Yep. And uh, that brings us to another topic. Uh, who, this is a player we've talked a little bit about here on the program uh, because at one time uh, his ERA really didn't seem to match up with his peripheral numbers, and that's Jordan Zimmerman. Uh, now Zimmerman is uh, he he has certainly pitched a little bit better lately, but then he left a start on I believe it was Friday against the Phillies with a biceps uh, biceps soreness or something of that nature, and it's a really doesn't sound like a serious injury. I have, but I have seen one media source say I wouldn't be surprised if this turns out to be more serious than they think it is, and this makes me a little nervous for the second half. But for the most part, the media uh, I think climate seems to be that uh, he's you know he's expected to avoid the dl and it's not a serious injury so i don't want to get anyone worried i don't personally see any reason to be worried about this but uh i i also think that zimmerman's due for a big second half brett has written a little bit on him and is certainly intimately familiar with zimmerman at this point uh so brett tell me whether i'm wrong or right about that one yeah no i'm with you and i like i actually like that he's got this little 
little bit of injury concern because I think it may create an opportunity to buy low on him. Um, if you send over an offer to, to a fantasy owner and that little DTD uh, emblem pops up by his name, I mean, it, I do think for a lot of people it does affect his value just a little bit, and it might create a situation where the price is a little bit lower uh, to make it worth trying to trade for him. But basically what's up with Zimmerman is he won a ton of games last year, and that wasn't going to happen again, and it hasn't. He's on pace for, I don't know, 11, 12 wins, which is about what you should expect. Um, and to offset that loss wins, he was going to have to make up for it elsewhere. Um my theory going into the year was he should throw more change-ups because he's got um, Harry Pavlidis talks about how pretty much guys either get whiffs or they get grounders with their change-up but there's a rare few who can get both um, and I think Zimmerman is one of those guys because he's got a big fastball velocity which lets him have a big gap between the in, in velocities between the pitches and he's also got good downward movement with his change so I really think it's a great pitch for him, but I don't know if he's not confident with it or, you know, he's one of those weird guys who sometimes decides to pitch to contact or decides to, you know, try to get swings and misses. It's pretty, uh, I don't know, intellectual pitcher. So who knows why he doesn't throw it more, but anyway, he is striking out more guys this year and it's basically because he's getting a ton more strikeouts and whiffs with his fastball, which is kind of strange because his velocity is still great, but it's not up. Um, his movement doesn't look like it's changed all that much. So I don't know how sustainable that is. But anyway, with the extra strikeouts, it still hasn't offset the loss of wins because his whip's gone up because his BABIP's way up. So let's say his BABIP comes down, his strikeouts stay where they are. That could sort of offset uh, the wins. And then we're talking about a top 20 guy again, as opposed to the top 40-ish guy he's been so far. So... I do think there is the chance that if things break right for him and he is really healthy uh, for the rest of the way that you could get a little bit of value, even just a one for one pitcher swap, you might be able to get a little bit better pitcher. Yeah, it's interesting. I I own him in in a 12 team mixed league and I'm excited. I I mean, I think, I think the, the peripherals that I'd noticed, I mean, at this point for pretty much all those reasons you cited, although I did not know all that about the changeup, but I think that I was like, wow, like I'm, I'm looking at a pitcher here where I feel like, I mean, his ERA was approaching four. I think it was actually it was above four for a couple of starts, and it was just it it just didn't make a lot of sense because a lot of the stuff was great. But I mean, it's, uh, he's he's a very good pitcher. We know that. I I was thinking this is a pitcher who who is should be on pace to have to put up a career year in ERA. Uh, I mean, and his best is two ninety four. Right now he's at three hundred three. So I think a pretty good second half could easily have him beating that. No, that's obviously that's kind of an optimistic end to things, but. Uh, I mean, I, I, I do agree quite a bit. I think that there's a very good possibility that he turns in. Do you think I'm Do you think I'm taking this too far to think that he could uh, be a dark horse for the Cy Young in a in a Clayton Kersh in a non Clayton Kershaw and maybe Adam Wainwright universe uh, for the uh, National League? Ah, <laughs> uh, he didn't have the win total. Yeah, I mean, if you threw in last year's 19 wins, yeah, maybe. Yeah, that's disappointing. Yeah, who knows? Maybe the Nats will get hot and help him out in that in that a little bit. But yeah, that's yeah. I, I, and you point out there's a, there could be some some nice regression in the Babbitt, and and uh, he's obviously he continues to be efficient. Uh, actually, it's his best the best walk rate of his career. So I mean, mm-hmm. looks like a fantastic pitcher, and I think that the fantasy owners could expect even better in the second half. 
Moving on to uh, just a couple of other small newsy items. Uh, Kevin Gaussman, the Orioles, we've talked about him at length. We won't beat this horse anymore, but uh, uh, it's come out now that they, they intend to not to limit his innings in any way in the second half, and that's kind of encouraging. That wasn't a really a huge issue, but uh, we figured between uh, for a couple of the different reasons that it was something that was kind of holding him back. Now we just have confirmation that uh, basically they have the freedom to let him loose. Everything kind of points to, at this point, that the O's are going to do what they must, assuming that Gaussman continues to display what he has in recent starts, that uh, he's going to be a member of this rotation for the uh, uh, for the entire post-break period. But, it, it, I mean, it, and this is with Ibaldo Jimenez being a bit of a moving piece and uh, whether Miguel Gonzalez is the guy that they do displace or whether someone else doesn't get hurt. But it seems like the O's want to find a way to keep Gaussman as part of this rotation the rest of the way. And the problem is also that they are a, you know, a team that's heavily rumored to be in the market for a um, for a starting pitcher. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, how, how all that shakes out. But what uh, Eno and I are kind of kind of fans of Gaussman, uh, although it's kind of hard to say he's you know 12-team mixed league worthy. But uh, where are you standing on Gaussman? Well, yeah, I mean, I guess there's maybe a little bit of semantics going on here then, because if y'all don't think he's 12-team mixed league worthy, I would totally agree with that. But <laughs> um, y'all do like him in some context. Uh, I don't know. I don't totally buy it. Um, hasn't shown the ability, you know, we're what? How many innings are we in here? Almost 100 innings for him. I don't know what his third pitch is. Um he doesn't have a huge strikeout rate. I mean, I guess it's a little bit above average, but I don't know. I just don't see he's young. There's, he could certainly grow into this, but for now, I, I don't, I don't really get it. I know he's got the good ERA, but I just don't think everything else backs it up. Yeah. I think that you make fair point. And I think that that's, I mean, it's, I think it's virtually impossible to commit to him in a 12 team mixed league because of those reasons. And we, we talked about it a little bit, you know, has talked about, I think, uh, I think it's the changeup for him that has really been uh, yeah. kind of the key pitch for him. And it's a fastball that is average other than the velocity. So, I mean, right. he is, he is not a pit. I think that's where the caution comes in is like, he seems to have a very fine tier as to where he fits, like where the cutoff is and, because there's there are a number of little things here that it's not quite clear as to where he's going to uh, where he's going to break through or if he does, assuming that he keeps this kind of performance up uh, uh, that he's been pitching to recently, uh, then there's also a little bit of the question of uh, the uncertainty of the role. So all these things just add up to difficulty in committing to him. And I mean, you know, in 15 team mixed leagues, he's you know he's not bad to stash and, and hope. But I think I think ultimately. That, that's my one fear is that, and I've done this with plenty of players. I'm sure we all have. I, I think I probably have more, uh, higher hopes for Gaussman than is actually justifiable. <laughs> and that's, yeah, that, that's certainly a danger. Um, uh, I think it, it is, but it's also the way you win these. It's also the way you win. I mean, that is true. you have to be, you have to be right on those calls. I read, uh, you know, with the all-star break, we get a lot of fantasy articles, looking back at the first half and looking at, you know, what people were talking about in the preseason. And I, I read some article uh, about the 10 best values from drafting at this point, pretty much one in each position and then a few others. 
and I'm reading through the list. I'm like, holy crap, I don't own any of these guys. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, and that's that's why I'm not leading any league I'm in this year. I'm in it in a few, but that's why I'm not, you know, I'm, I don't feel like I'm in a surefire position to win any leagues this year. It's because I missed with my late round guys. Um, every year I have some, and some years they hit, some years they don't. Last year I had Marte and Segura on a team. I won that league by like a thousand roto points, but <laughs> uh, that's that's the game. You know what I mean? And I kind of like it, especially with pitchers, because I think you are going to be able to figure out pretty quickly in the next few starts whether you want to hold on to Gosman. And if you don't, you go a different direction. And there's probably some guys in your waiver wire you can take a shot on. So I don't, I don't think it's bad to, to be speculating like that. Yes. Yeah. Excellent points, uh, of course. And um, because we could talk about speculating, and this is actually a pitcher who's, who's pretty, pretty widely owned. Uh, I'm, I can't say I'm ever surprised, but uh, Taiwan Walker is a pitcher. Obviously, we know that the shoulder impingement really delayed his season. Uh, and, but Seattle did recall him a couple of weeks ago and allowed him to make two or three starts in the major leagues. And uh, they demoted him. And I originally kind of assumed that uh, it was with the purpose to keep him on schedule through the All-Star break. But uh, now it's, uh, they come out and say that they he, they will not be recalling him immediately after the break. Uh, and that uh, they want to give him you know, a couple, a few more starts down on the farm to continue to work things out. And now he's experienced, he, you know, shown some control problems. And that's kind of been... Uh, his issue, I guess, when he is, uh, I mean, we are talking about a pitcher who's made only maybe a handful, not not even a dozen. I don't think he's made double-digit starts total this year, but he's right around that number. He's approaching a dozen starts. So maybe he's still shaking off a little bit of rust and still you know, still has some problems. But uh, tell me, I, and I have, I do have quite high hopes, and I think that they're, I thought that they were justified for Walker. I thought that he could be a really interesting fantasy performer in the second half. Am I jumping the gun on him? Uh, no, I mean, I think he could be. Just take a look at his uh, strikeout rates at basically every stop in the minors, uh, with maybe the exception of this year at, with his you know, his starts at AAA, which is obviously relevant because it's the most recent information we have. But, I mean, the guy has stuff. Um, he's going to have control problems. Uh, I'm trying to think of a good example of somebody that's got a high strikeout rate and a high walk rate like him that still has value. I want to say Jordano Ventura, but I'm not positive his walk rate's Mm-mm. quite that bit above average. Am I making that up? No, no, I, I don't think I don't think that his has been quite that kind of issue. Okay, no, you're right. It's it's about league average of seven point one percent. But um, I mean, it all depends on how much upside the strikeouts have, and you know, you can live with a ten nine ten percent walk rate if a guy's way above average in the strikeouts. I think the potential is there. Um, I'd have to be really needing to shake things up. You know what I mean? If I was anywhere close to within striking distance of the lead, I'd probably play it a little safer and just try to find a guy that I didn't think was going to hurt me as much. But if I'm sitting mid pack and I got to get bold, why not? Yes. That's an excellent point as a way to look at it is that there is there. I mean, there is legitimately a good bit of upside here uh, with, with Walker in the second half. And we talked about, like I said, we talked about a little bit, I don't want to beat his horse too much either, but uh, but uh, we do know that uh, I mean long term we probably still have to be concerned about the health. 
uh, the control is a little bit of a problem. But the, and this is something that Jeff Sullivan wrote about uh, on him when he was first recalled is that the velocity was there, among other things. He made some observations. And then we've also talked about the fact uh, that uh, Jeff Zimmerman was talking uh, when he was on the program with us uh, earlier this season, said that this was the thing that he was looking for, is that the velocity is there, that we know he's passed the health issues, and this is in the short term. So all the signs are good, yeah. I think, as far as health is concerned. It's just a question of, I think, him kind of finding the strike zone consistently. But uh, there, there's a lot of upside here. It's just... How likely is it to hit? And that's, you know, that's kind of the unknown at this point. And then uh, when Seattle is going to commit to him in the second half. And especially that's that could be affected uh, if they make a trade. Right. If they make a trade. Yeah. If they get price, are they <laughs> – I mean, I don't think – I don't know that he comes back at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could see I mean, – you could certainly see that. the fifth guy? Chris, is Chris Young their fourth or fifth guy? I believe he is their fifth, and they've well, they've they've gone back and forth between uh, Rasmo Ramirez being in there as well. I might rather take a shot on Taiwan than Erasmo. Yes. Even though I used to love Erasmo, but I'm kind of, I think everybody's off that train. But yeah, I don't know. Podhors are probably still holding <laughs> on a little bit. Oh, I would love to get Podhors' reaction on that because he probably still would be. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think. Uh, I, that'd be my guess, actually, as to who they go with to replace him uh, for the short term, because that's that's the that's the chain they've jerked back and forth uh, to fill in that spot. But um, yeah, I mean, I think you have to consider Walker the better bet. But to add David Price, for instance, to that mix, or to add any other pitcher that uh, they would trade for, certainly would get the get the nod ahead of, for instance, Walker. And so that then it becomes then it becomes a matter of. Walker versus Ronis Elias or like oh, yeah, yeah. somebody like that. Uh, be It'd be interesting to see what happens there in Seattle. And, and I'd hate to think of it as a lost season for Walker in terms of fantasy value. But, I mean, it's it's not entirely outside the realm of possibility that that occurs. Yeah. So I think uh, we want to get to – I want to talk about a couple of pitchers, and you mentioned one of them uh, before we get out of here, and we've had this as a requested topic, and so I'm just looking forward to talking to him. We'll start with uh, Giordano Ventura, who's uh, – we know that he had that that injury scare with the, uh, the slight elbow uh, – the slight in, uh, elbow um, – I, I, you know what? I'm not even going to try to pronounce that injury because I can't uh, – I knew that I had trouble with it the first time. So he had an elbow injury that uh, was feared to be – perhaps a related to or a precursor to ulnar collateral ligament damage. That is not the case. Well, at least there's, there's no issue with that at this time. Right. Uh, people have been concerned about you know, his frame that he throws so hard that his mechanics look a little hurt to drink, et cetera. But right now what we've seen to seen most is uh, folks are concerned that the strikeout rate really hasn't bounced back quite like folks would expect given that the, you know, he throws so hard and that is, typically had some pretty good strikeout rates are we concerned here because of that i guess um i mean yes it's strange uh, he's got the big fastball velocity so i guess he's like gosman in that respect or gausman however you say it <laughs> um because they both have big fastball velocity and you might expect uh, the strikeout rate to be higher the weird thing with ventura is that his swinging strike rate is way up this year and, and his strikeout rates up from where it was last year but it's still floating just above league average you would think with a 10.6 percent strike between strike rate and 96 plus fastball velocity in three pitches um he throws three pitches and i guess 
two of them are above average, and then the changeup. I th- no, the change is above average. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's it's his curveball that's a little bit below average. But you know, it would make sense that that he's got the stuff to have a better strikeout rate. And I wouldn't be surprised if it started creeping up in that 21-22% range. Yeah. Yeah, I think it, well here's here's where I'm at with Ventura and I think I mean part of his his deal is and even I think somewhat in the minors but uh I I I want to say that folks maybe got a little too ambitious with I mean he was 25% strikeout rate in in April and then 23 in May. Um, and then the kind of the injury scare. And then when he came back, I mean, I think he had one strikeout in his first start back and then like three in his second. And this was like, and despite going like six innings and six innings, like folks were like, whoa, what's going on here? And maybe for back, lack of a better way of looking at it, maybe that was a little bit of correction. But uh, I mean, so far in July, a few starts and he's put up about 20%, close to 20%. And that seems to be more the norm. Like that seems to be what, his his level is like he doesn't he doesn't always get or go for swinging strikes um and and yeah but yeah we know he's capable of putting up like you said in that 20 percent range and i think that that's uh that's certainly doable that's uh that's i i think but you have to be i i think just not to be overly optimistic that he's going to be a guy who's continually striking out uh nine hitters per nine innings because he doesn't seem quite to be that pitcher, at least not yet. Um, and I don't, I'm not sure exactly what the reason is. Maybe it's a maturity thing as far as his pitch sequences and things like that. But, uh, well, I'll say this, um, just looking at his game logs, you know, the first, I don't know, let's call it the first 40% of the starts he made this year, he was putting up good game by game strikeout totals. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the last, you know, half of his starts, not so much, but take a look at his schedules and it, I think that could be a reason why. I mean, his last seven starts, he's had the Tigers twice, um, the Indians twice, who were really good against right-handed pitching, the Angels, who are good against everybody. Um, and then he's he's had a matchup against Seattle and a matchup against the Rays, but that's five out of seven matchups that are pretty tough. Um, and then the teams that he you know, did some work on early in the season, he had 10 against the Padres, um, six against the Twins, seven against the Astros, six against the Rays, and then he sort of owned Baltimore in a couple of starts, which I don't know if they're strikeout prone or not. That, that looks a little weird. So <laughs> maybe some of it's what he's doing, but it, I think matchups could be factoring into that a little bit too. Yeah, and and it's an excellent point. And uh, I mean, he's maybe because of this. I mean, he's a pitcher who is not. Uh, I mean, he's he's not in the elite strikeout category, at least not yet. But uh, right. but because he has the stuff that's so good that he can take advantage of good strikeout matchups, but then against the teams that are a little stronger offensively, is not is really unlikely to put up that big strikeout total. So excellent points. And so I mean, it's just I think I think for folks who are a little bit nervous about the fact that the strikeout total isn't high after all these starts, like you know, settle down a little bit. Just be thankful that he's not hurt, <laughs> and he's put yeah. and he's still putting up some pretty good numbers. I think considering where a lot of folks got him on draft day. Uh, if yeah, you stuck no with him. complaining about your Donovan Ventura. Yeah. No <laughs> yes. Yes. Definitely not. And uh, another pitcher. I mean, he. This Marcus Stroman is a guy who has. He's been quite intriguing. I got to see him in the Arizona Fall League last fall, last November, and um, I mean, certainly is. The, uh, the peripherals say. Uh, better a little bit better marks and he is for the most part he has pitched well ever since i mean he's 
I think he's pitched better as a starter than he did as a reliever. He made a couple of relief appearances, a few relief appearances because uh, that's what they first called him up as in Toronto. But um, the starts for the most part have been have really been quite good. Um, I think because he has a great history of uh, good control that uh, we can continue to expect pretty good things. Um, I, you think I'm way off base here? No, yeah, I'm with you. Uh, what, 5.8% strikeout or walk rate this year was very good at all stops through the minors. Strikeout rate is basically what Ventura is doing. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's reason to like it. The reason to like what he's doing. I guess, you know, He's sort of within the strand rate and BABIP ranges that don't, you know, to the point where we can't say, oh, well, he's just getting killed by BABIP lug or strand rate lug. He is on the wrong side of things, but it's not so out of line that, that necessarily – he that may be what he is. You know what I mean? He may be a guy who gives up a little higher BABIP. I don't know. It's a little early to tell. My guess is that he's not and that he's going to, uh, you know, regress back towards that three-and-a-half next FIP Sierra range he's in. Mm-hmm. And he's, I mean, he relies pretty heavily on, I mean, it's a four-seam fastball. I don't think, I mean, uh, it's, uh, I'm, I'm assuming that's kind of a quality pitch, but he also throws a, a cutter and a curve. That's kind of his three main pitches. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, I think uh, that the fastball is kind of his, I mean, it's it's a plus, it's a positive, it's above average in, in a number of ways. It's not uh <clears throat> I think it's about average in terms of ground yeah. ball rate, but uh, swinging strike or well, I don't know. It's around six percent. Is that, do you know if that's where that is in the benchmarks? That's probably around average too. I would guess. I forget what it is for strikeouts. I, can t- I mean, I'm looking at his pitch value right now, and it's a little bit above average. Um, he throws, he mixes in a slider and change too. So I mean, not much, but he's he's got a pretty good arsenal. Slider's actually been really good this year. Mm-hmm. So. And maybe because he has, uh, I mean, this, I don't think, I think Stroman is kind of one of these guys because, I mean, I believe he was a college pitcher uh, and he's, he's kind of steadily risen through the system and has made some quick adjustments and has, has pitched well, uh, I mean, kind of throughout his time as a pro. He strikes me as one of these guys. I think folks shouldn't expect like a lot of growth, like beyond this season or maybe the next couple of seasons. Like it's not, I don't think it's going to get astronomically better. But he's a pitcher who was kind of well equipped uh, with the kind of stuff that he has. Where I, I mean, I don't think he's ever going to contend for a Cy Young award or anything like that. But this kind of stuff he has will allow allowed him to and and the maturity and number of things going along with that. That he's he's a guy who you could you know continue to succeed right away. You mentioned the start thing earlier. Uh, in eight starts, he has a sub three ERA. Um, he got pounded in two relief appearances by the Angels and Indians who as we just mentioned, our good offense is yes. Indians against right-handed pitching. So, uh, yeah, eight starts, sub-3 ERA, great control, multiple pitches, good velocity, a lot to like there. Yes, yes. So, I mean, ultimately he's not, you know, he may not, you know, he's, he, yeah, this is not like a Cy Young award contender or anything like that, but this is a good fantasy pitcher, and I think folks yeah. have to be pretty happy with that. Well, uh, I think that's, that's about all the time we have for this week. Uh, I'm gonna, or well, this episode, I should say, this is episode number one forty three. So, I do want to thank Brett very much for joining us, especially uh, we'll say uh, on a little bit of short notice. But uh, we are glad to have you fill in on the DL, or well, because you know is on the DL. I, I basically, I'm a Alcantara call up. I'll be back. 
<laughs> back in the minors next week, and that's just fine. I enjoyed it. Yes, well, we're, I mean, we were really glad to have you. You shared some some excellent insight, uh, especially with uh, Zimmerman. I, mean, uh, I think it was a fascinating article on him, and I certainly hope you were right as an owner of him in one league. Uh, but, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's fantastic uh, definitely to have you on, and um, uh, I think that means that also uh, while you had stepped in that you hit you hit, you carried more than your weight uh, in the batting average, and uh, you hit your first home run the other day as well. So congratulations on that! Awesome to have Thank you, you on, <laughs> and uh, we look forward to having you on again sometime. Sounds good. Thank yes. you. Thank you all for joining us again. Uh, again for episode number one forty-three. This has been the sleeper and the bust. Mm-hmm.